Well, good morning, Grace Long Beach. As you guys, hey, thanks for talking back. I appreciate that. As you guys heard uh, our scripture reading from the book of Lamentations, I'm sure you can imagine it's going to be super upbeat and joyful today, uh, dealing with nothing but lighthearted and easy topics. All of that is a lie. Uh, Parents, hopefully you saw the email from Children's Ministry giving you a heads up of some of the things that we'll be talking about today. We're super thankful to have the kids in here. And and kids, if I'm honest with you guys, um, I am actually super thankful that you guys are in here this week because this um, this is like kind of a hard sermon, so I need your help. Can you guys help me? Thank you. All right. Kids over here can. Like my kids and kids that my kids hang out with are just quiet over there. I'm assuming that's because you're in prayer. (laughs) So kids, I need your help today. We're going to talk about things that matter to God. And here's the reality, church. If it matters to God, then it should matter to us. So we're going to name things from Lamentations chapter 5 that matters to God. And when I say, this thing matters to God, kids, I need your help by saying, it matters to us. So let's try it out. It matters to God. There we go. You guys got it first try. That's awesome. Incredible. Incredible. So here's the deal. How do you know someone is on a diet? They never stop talking about it. How do you know someone has started a new exercise routine? They're slaying. They never stop talking about it. I have permission for this, but my wife is is really into fitness. She's into exercise. A few years ago, she started working out. And since then, I think the number one question that I ask her is like, when did you turn into a bro? Because all she talks about is her workout, right? Yeah, babe, I went to the gym and I did squats. Do you want to see a video? And I'm like, do I want to see a video of you like squatting down and standing up over and like, not really. It's the same thing. Hey, babe, on my bench press today. And I'm like, when? I didn't know that I married a bro, but it matters to her. So she talks about it. If I had the privilege of meeting with you over any day over the last week and a half, you know what I talked about. This sermon, I somehow found a way to weave it into every single meeting. Thank you for your insight, those of you who provided some guidance. We talk about what matters to us. If you're a kid like my kids and you play Fortnite, you know that this is, we're nearing the end of this season and the new season is coming up. You talk about it. Parents, do you feel me? Oh, I'm like, yeah, good. You got that victory royale. Thanks for telling me every single thing that happened in your match and which guns were in your inventory and all of those things. But when it, when it matters to us, we talk about it. So here's the deal with Lamentations chapter 5. If we are people who believe what 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all Scripture is inspired by God, then the things that are talked about matter to God. If it matters to God, there we go. Let's go. Let's dive in. Let's dive in and see what matters to God. Lamentations chapter 5, verse 1. The writer says this, remember, O Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. Now, this is an interesting concept. The Spirit of God 
is inspiring his people, namely Jeremiah, who's writing this, to pray to God and ask God to remember, to look, and to see. Throughout this book of Lamentations, there's this question that's raised, is God present? Does God care? Does God see us? Does God remember us? Does God remember his promise to us? Is God even here? The Spirit of God inspired his people to be able to even ask the question if he is present. Prayer matters to God. And if it matters to God, you guys are getting it. I love it. I love it. So the first thing we see in verse 1, prayer matters to God. As we're going through this sermon, this sermon series, the prayers of God's people, we need to be reminded that prayer in itself matters to God. Addressing our concerns to God is important. That matters. In the midst of a culture that can figure it out, we can find a YouTube video to teach us how to do almost anything. Sometimes we forget Starting in prayer is necessary. I got three friends I can text who can give me the answer. I have a network of people I can turn to that can help me solve this problem, and it's so easy to forget fundamentally prayer matters. Verse 2, our inheritance has been turned over to aliens, our homes to foreigners. Now, we have to do a little unpacking here of what's going on. This doesn't mean that people from other countries should never come into our land. That's not what is being stated here. What the author is reminding his people and God of is that in this point in the biblical story, Israel had a very special identity. They were to be a light to the nations. They were blessed so that all nations would be blessed, and they have fallen short of that duty over and over and over again. They are not a people of justice. They are not a people of hospitality. They are not a welcoming people. They are not a loving people, nor are they a holy people. And so God has brought judgment because he cares about the nations, because he wants to reach the nations through his people, and they are not living that out faithfully. So now judgment has come, and we see what has happened the people are being forced off the land that was promised to them. They have no housing. They're fleeing for their lives. Hopefully this is triggering some memories of news that you've watched even this week of things that are going on in our world. There is no place for the people to stay. Housing matters to God. And if it matters to God... Where we live matters. The fact that we are sheltered and protected from the elements matters. The small details and the big things of our life matters to God. We're beginning to see this throughout this chapter. Housing matters to God. If it matters to God, then it should matter to us, his people. Verse 3, we have become orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. This is not how God designed families to work. God designed families to be safe. God designed families to be healthy. God designed families to be together. But we know because of the holistic nature of sin, all things in God's good creation have been distorted. And so we see the family unit is not operating as God intended. Moms and dads aren't there. There's not health. There's brokenness. There's fracture within families. 
And church, families matter to God. And if it matters to God, yes, I love our kids. It's like the funnest sermon I've ever done, and it's in Lamentations. I can't believe it. <laughs> there is a way that our families, we can use our, steward our families to reflect who God is. I love my wife. I try hard to love her well because I want to show my kids and our neighbors and our community that God is a loving God. I want to be faithful to my wife, yes, because I love her and care about her, but also because God is faithful to his bride. We try to discipline our children according to what scripture says, because God disciplines us like children. It's not just that families are important because God dreamt it up a long time ago. Families are important because that's another opportunity to show the watching world what God is like. We know that not all families are operating according to the way God designed. There is brokenness. And I want to be sensitive with this. I know that there are people who would love to be married or who are wrestling with grief or, or brokenness or loss. There's so much complexity that sin brings into our world but we can see fundamentally that families matter to God. And we pray that our church is a welcoming place for people who have all different kinds of stories in their family. Thankfully, my wife grew up with both of her parents. My parents divorced when I was five. We understand the complexities. We understand the complexities, but we know families matter to God. Let's keep going. Verse four. We must buy the water we drink. Our wood can be had only at a price. We're talking about access to clean drinking water. We're talking about the cost of utilities. Wood was used for warmth, for cooking. The fine details of our lives, God cares about. God sees them. Kids, food matters to God. And if it matters to God? It matters to God. That's right. It matters to us. God invites us to pray into these things. How many kids in our city are in homes, unfortunately, where, where food is not guaranteed, where there is food insecurity? How many food deserts do we have in the city of Long Beach? Are we even aware of what a food desert is? Google it. The fact that our kids, our neighbors, the, the, the friends that our kids have in their class may not have enough food, that matters to God. His people are lamenting the fact that they cannot get clean drinking water. How many brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe are lamenting the same thing this morning? In church, if it matters to God, it matters to us. You kids, you're killing it. I love it. I love it. They're like, yay, we can yell in church. <laughs> Verse 5, those who pursue us are at our heels. We are weary, and we find no rest. There's an element of danger. There's a lack of physical safety. And due to that, there's a lack of rest. Now, this is like an extreme example, right? The city's under siege. There's like literally enemies like pounding at the door. There's, there's been all of these horrific like war crimes going on, right? And, and as a result of that, the people are re weary. They're fleeing. They've, some have been forced um, into exile, in, into Babylon. There's, there's a lot of things going on here. But at the heart of this, because of the circumstance, in their context, there is no rest, Rest matters to God. 
And if it matters to God, it matters to us. The fact that we don't push ourselves seven days a week. God speaks to this in the Ten Commandments of Sabbath. Yes, there may be a little more profit to be made if we just go those extra few hours, but we are called to be a people of rest, not of laziness, a people of rest. Because rest demonstrates to the world that we trust God as provider. We don't have to always be busy. We trust that our identity is rooted in him, not in what we can produce. We trust that God ordered creation in the beginning of Genesis for six days of work and then one day of rest. Our rest matters. Taking time not to always be busy and driven and on the go matters. I have to be mindful of this because I'm discipling my children. I'm teaching them value. And if I'm only teaching them value in how much I can do, how fast I can go, how much I can carry, how jam-packed I can create our schedules, that's teaching them something. And that something is contrary to who God is. God is a God who commands his people to rest, who invites us to rest, who invites us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. His yoke is easy and his burden is light but I find myself burdening myself for no reason, spinning my wheels and going and going and going and forgetting kids that rest matters to God. And if it matters to God, it matters to us. The good thing about kids is like, they don't even get tired of this. They're just like going for it. Rest matters to God. Verse six, we submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Geopolitical relations matter to God. We see this in the news the last 10 days or however long it's been. Because those relationships have impact on real people that are fleeing war. Those relationships have impact on how much we pay at the pump, on the cost of bread and milk and eggs at the grocery store. And for some of us, a few extra dollars doesn't hurt that much. But there are neighbors in our city within a few feet from here that has significant impact on their lives. The burdens that they carry, the weight that they have on their shoulders as they're trying to be patient with their children in the homes who have been there for a long time because of all of the complexities of the last few years, this matters. These treaties that are signed that impact access to food of real people in real places matters. And if it matters to God, I'm going to have kids in every single sermon that I preach. This is great. Verse 7. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their punishment. This verse does not say what happened in the past does not affect today. This verse does not say that because it happened before I was born, because I was not an active participant in their sin, it has no bearing on me or I am not called to repent for it. Our fathers sinned and are no more, 
and we bear their punishment. As people who believe in the inspired word of God, that sin came through Adam and Eve and impacts us today, this should make sense to us, that the sins of the past have impact on our present. We can acknowledge this can be tricky. How this plays itself out in real life, how this instructs us to move forward, requires really healthy conversation. We don't get to put our heads in the sand. We have to wrestle with this. Kids, history matters to God. And if it matters to God, let's go. Verse 8, slaves rule over us and there is none to free us from their hands. We got to do a little history work here to understand what's going on. So the Babylonians have come in, they've sieged Jerusalem, they've carried their best and brightest uh, into Babylon, right? That's where we get the book of Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you have been around church, you know, you know some of these stories. If not, chat with me after, I'll share them with you. <clears throat> but so uh, Babylon has, has established a puppet government with rulers comprised of other nations that they have captured. This version calls them slaves. That's not the way it ought to be. Okay? Injustice has occurred. The Babylonians have captured people, assimilated them into their culture, and forced them to rule over other people, namely Israel in this passage. The fact that Israel is being ruled over is not the way it ought to be. We see levels of brokenness, levels of oppression, levels of injustice explained in this verse. But justice matters to God. And if it matters to God? These relationships in politics matter. The systemic, the big picture matters to God. Yes, the individual matters 100%, 100%. This doesn't say that it doesn't. But it's more than that. It includes that and it stretches our imaginations, not only what we can be praying about, but how sin is defined. Church, it's bigger than us. It includes us, but it's bigger than us. Verse nine, we get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the desert. I have neighbors that I've had conversations with that are nervous to go to our local grocery store because they don't feel safe. I live less than six minutes away from our church. We can have this conversation about, you know, Ukraine, like different nations around the world where, where people are scared to go like get the food they need for their families. I'm talking about a six minute drive from our church. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the desert. Kids, safe neighborhoods matter to God. And if it matters to God? Verse 11, <clears throat> sorry, verse 10. Our skin is hot as an oven, feverish from hunger. 
He's talking about his physical body, the physical bodies of the people, their physical health, their aches and pains, their bumps and bruises, their sickness, their chronic illness, death of family members because of disease. This matters to God. Our physical health matters to God. And if it matters to God, love it. Verse 11, women have been ravished in Zion and virgins in the towns of Judah. I chose this translation on purpose because I understand the first Sunday of the month we have kids in here. So how we treat one another with respect, with honor, with love matters. When we mistreat one another, that this can be with our words, this can be with our behaviors, this can be with our physical bodies, that matters to God. Creating a space where all fellow image bearers are safe, I don't mean this in a politically correct way, I mean this that every single person has safety with their physical bodies, with their emotional health, with their spiritual health matters to God. And if it matters to God, Cultures in which people are allowed to be taken advantage of do not accurately reflect who God is as protector. Cultures in which fellow image bearers are demeaned and degraded does not accurately reflect who God is as protector, as good, loving father, as kind. Guys, it's passages like this that just begin to stretch my imagination and show me how how small the scope of things I pray about actually is. We're just a few verses into one chapter in an obscure book of the Bible, and we've named all kinds of topics. But wait, as the infomercials say, there's more. Verse 12, princes have been hung up by their hands. Elders are shown no respect. Hear me, proper respect for governing authorities and for elders matters to God. And if it matters to God, it matters to to us. There is a proper way to show respect to authority, a proper way, not blind allegiance and devotion, not raging at every little thing. This does not say you blindly follow people who are leading you into sin. It's not saying that. It's not saying we blindly follow people who are older than us just because they're older. No, 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 no. There is a wisdom that we follow as followers of Christ. There's an obedience that we display to governing rulers as followers of Christ who are not leading us into sin that is clearly contrary to Scripture, not just what I don't like, not just like because it's not my preference. And we're also called to be sacrificial. We're also called called to lay down our rights for the sake of others. Because I hope we're feeling stretched, right? Like, I have to name this, okay? There are things in this list that I love. So thankful they're in Scripture. There are other things that as I'm standing up here preaching, I'm like, ugh, that hits close to home. I don't like that. If I could erase it, I would. I, it's God's Word. Proper respect matters to God. Verse 13, young men toil at the millstones, boys stagger under loads of wood. Part of this was done by the Babylonians. These were not typical jobs that boys and young men would have, so it was a way to to act demeaning. 
But here's the reality. Our work matters. Our work matters to God. And if it matters to God, I love the interviews we had like a month and a half ago, right? Where we got to hear about how people are living out their faith in all of life, through their vocations, through welcoming kids into their home, through displaying the love of God in all different ways. We are at our work for at least eight hours a day. That's a huge chunk of time to think creatively and imaginatively about how we can steward our vocations to display what God is like in the midst of a watching world. How can you show your coworkers what Jesus is like? How can you creatively think through your job as a means to push back on the effects of sin in the fall? This is an invitation to pray into our vocations, not just so that we can like meet people who don't yet know Jesus and then tell them about the gospel. Yes, that is wildly important. Don't hear me saying that's unimportant. It is wildly important, but God can use our vocations in so many more ways. Not to the exclusion of sharing our faith verbally, but including that taking opportunities to creatively come up with what would the parables be that Jesus would tell if he worked at your job? Probably not, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, unless you deal with mustard seeds or you're in like agriculture or something, right? What is the kingdom of heaven like in your job? What is the kingdom of heaven like if you're a teacher or a social worker or an electrician or a plumber? Plumber, imagine that. Imagine that gospel illustration, carrying the filth away from the people so that they can fully be healthy. Wow, even as a plumber. Church, our work matters to God, and because it matters to God, it matters to us. 14, the elders are gone from the city gate. The young men have stopped their music. Conversations and creativity matter to God. And if it matters to God, it matters to us. The elders would discuss the deep problems and questions of the day at the city gates. They would make judgments uh, that were necessary. And that is stopped. The young men have stopped their music. We'll roll this over into verse 15. Joy is gone from our hearts and dancing has turned to mourning. All of our emotions matter to God. And if it matters to God, in the midst of a book titled Lamentations, joy is referenced. And dancing and music. Now, I'm a little bit of a nerd and I love Bob Ross. You guys remember Bob Ross. Kids, unless you're my kids, I know you don't remember Bob Ross. Bob Ross was this old guy who had this huge hair and like the softest voice ever. And he would paint things. But one of the things Bob Ross would talk about is you need to put dark paint on the picture because that's how you see the light. You can't only use light colors. You can't only use dark colors. We need all of the colors. And God gave us a whole host of emotions. God gave us joy, but if everything is called joy, then that's a short-sighted experience of the fullness of God's creation. God gave us lament and mourning, but if we are only lamenting and mourning like we're Eeyore. God gave us joy and lament. He gave us happiness and sorrow. He gave us peace and anger. 
There is a righteous anger. We can't read the Gospels and hear about Jesus and ignore the place, the proper place for anger in our faith. Kids, God gave us all of our emotions. All of our emotions matter to God. Oh, you guys were doing so good. We'll try it again. We'll try it again. All of our emotions matter to God, and if it matters to God, there it is. We're back. We're back. I'm going to clump 16 through 18 together. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate with jackals prowling over it. The poet, I like to imagine, walked outside and looked around and couldn't help but go to God. The poet woke up in the morning, opened up their Facebook news feed, and saw what was going on around the world and in their neighborhood, and couldn't help but go to God. The poet went down to the local coffee shop and talked to real life people about what they are experiencing and couldn't but help go to God. Church, our context matters to God. And if it matters to God, it matters to us. Okay, so what? What's the so what of this? Here's two challenges for us. I understand the complexity and the nuance here, but there is a reaction in our culture when something big and horrible happens that people now say, keep your thoughts and prayers, we're sick of them. And that has bled into the church. If we are a Christian who's of Christ's follower who says, keep your thoughts and prayers. I'm tired of all the prayers. We need to get to work. Where's the action? Where's the social change? Let's protest. Let's take... There's a place for protest and taking to the streets. I'm not belittling that. But if our first flinch is we don't need prayer, we have to admit we have become functional atheists. If our first flinch is God's people when we see these big catastrophic things that happen in our world is not turning to God in prayer... We have to reevaluate what we have put our faith in. Okay? Here's the other side. If, as God's people, we find ourselves saying things like, just preach the gospel, all of this stuff in culture doesn't matter, we have made Jesus a really, really tiny savior. As I understand scripture, Christ is reconciling all things yes things in my heart yes my individual choices yes how i speak to my family yes how i do my taxes and and i'm a good employee and all of those things yes all of the individual and so much more it would be much easier to go to one side or the other It would be much easier to be a church that says, you know, all this spiritual stuff, man, it's really uncomfortable in our culture today. All this talk of like sin and like needing to pray and all that, that's like really, really unpopular in culture today. Let's just be about like the justice stuff. That would be really, really easy. Or if we say, hey, you know what? All this stuff in culture, it's tricky. It's really, really hard. It's divisive. People get really upset and they leave and no one wants that anymore. You know what? Let's just sweep it under the rug. Let's just put our heads in the sand and not worry about it. Here's the difficult thing. Scripture calls us to care about all of it. 
And if you're like me, it doesn't take long thinking about these huge issues that are global and historic and systemic before I get overwhelmed. Church, here's the really good news. Jesus. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to fix it. We don't have to have all the right answers and all the catchy slogans. We don't have to do all the right things. We have to faithfully follow Jesus. He calls us to bear witness. He doesn't call us to convince the jury. He calls us to bear witness. This is what I saw. This is what I experienced. In the midst of a culture that unfriends and unfollows and silos itself into echo chambers, this is what I experienced. Through brothers and sisters in Christ that are different than me, who can commit to staying at the table, we find peace. In the midst of a culture that says, go, do you. Whatever's best for you, you do you. We live differently. We submit ourselves to the authority of Christ in things that we like and in things that we don't like. In the midst of a cancel culture that will just silence anyone who we disagree with, we get to display forgiveness and grace because that's what Jesus has shown us. Is this scary? Absolutely. Do we as your leaders have all the answers? Nope, not even close. But there is a commitment to following Jesus in the big and small. There is a commitment to following Jesus individually and collectively as Grace Long Beach. There's a commitment to pressing into hard things because we are filled with the Spirit for the purpose of displaying what God is like in the midst of a watching world. If that's not compelling, I don't know what to tell you. But this is what we're called to because God cares about it. And we care about it. Yes! <laughs> you know, they say, like, if you just reach one, like, I got my one. I got my one. I don't, I just want to leave us with Jesus. I'm going to read from Colossians chapter one, this reminder of who Jesus is. Keep in mind the things that like kind of upset you that I said. Keep in mind the things that you were like, yes, I'm so glad they said that in our church. Keep in mind both of those things as you hear who Jesus is, because it's not about me. It's not about us. It's not about our, it's about Jesus. This is who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Church, will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for caring about the things that make me lose sleep. 
Thank you for caring about the things that make me fearful to raise kids in 2022. Thank you for caring about the things that have wounded so many of us that we still carry with us. Thank you for caring about the things that bring us joy and the things that make us uncomfortable and squirm in our seats. Thank you for seeing us, for seeing every detail of our lives, for knowing every hair on our head, for numbering our days, for establishing the times and the places that you will call us. Thank you for being with us and for caring. Remind us of our role. Remind us that we bear witness, that we don't have to fix or solve, we just have to bear witness to who you are. Thank you for your spirit that fills us, your spirit that empowers us, your spirit that gives us creativity when we communicate with our friends what you are like, that gives us thoughtful ways to love others, that gives us super exciting ways to lay down our lives and sacrifice for the other following in your footsteps. Jesus, we need you. We need you in the midst of this culture. We need you in this cultural moment to be an accurate witness. Continue to work, continue to refine us, continue to speak to us, continue to encourage us and convict us where we need it so that your name will be made great, so that more and more people will come to saving faith in you, so that your justice will roll down like mighty waters. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.